This is Rising Up with Sonali, and I'm your host, Sonali Kolhatkar. You can watch this program on Free Speech TV and listen to it on community and independent radio stations nationwide. On February 3rd, a train carrying a variety of products, including hazardous chemicals, operated by Norfolk Southern, derailed as it passed by the town of East Palestine, Ohio. Officials evacuated residents and carried out an intentional burn-off to avoid an explosion. But residents have already been complaining of health problems. The accident comes just months after the Biden administration forced a strike by train operators to end. Now there are growing calls to nationalize the rail industry. Joining me is Carl Rosen, General President of United Electrical Radio and Machine Workers of America, or UE, and Mary Lee Taylor, a 34-year veteran, retired locomotive engineer, and a member of Railroad Workers United. Welcome to the program, Carl and Mary Lee. Thank you. So let me start, Carl, with you. What is, you know, when you heard about this derailment, was your response one of not terrible surprise, given that our rail infrastructure really is um, is falling apart? It's it's crumbling. Yes, it, you know, tragic what's happened to that community, and and actually uh, communities that dozens, possibly hundreds of miles away, because of of the the terrible environmental pollution that's being created there, both in the water and in the air. Uh, but not at all surprised uh, because the railroads have been doing what uh, what natural monopoly uh, corporations do, which is to extract as much money out of the uh, out of the uh, business as they can, and not think at all about investing uh, in what's needed to keep uh, things going into the into the future. And uh, that's what they've been doing consistently, uh, getting by with less and less workers, getting by. In, you know, actively lobbying against uh, uh, safety measures that could well have prevented uh, this accident, or at least greatly mitigated uh, the impact of it, um, and uh, and just generally, uh, you know, acting like uh, the robber barons of old, where they're just uh, pirating as much money out of something where they basically have government protection to have these monopolies uh, and to have these right of ways. And uh, and they're just taking the money and running, and and then leaving the leaving the communities uh, desolated. Marilee, do you have a similar opinion of uh, the situation? Looking at what has happened in Ohio, in East Palestine, it's devastating, and you see, in many ways, unfortunately, not much action from the federal government. Do you so are you one not surprised as well, and then two, are you worried that you uh, that the that local, state, and even federal governments end up siding with the rail companies? Absolutely. I agree with what Carl said, but furthermore, this there this derailment in East Palestine was could have happened in hundreds of locations because in the case of any big wreck like that, there are usually many factors. It's not just one factor. It's a number of factors that come together. And sometimes they're very and oftentimes a near miss or a near catastrophic catastrophic event is averted because one or another factor doesn't come actually together to create the the incredible horrific scene that we saw in East Palestine. There have been many other wrecks that actually should have gotten bigger play, including one in Canada 
Lac Magnetech, I, I butchered the name, I'm sorry, where a, an oil can train ran away. Uh, it was a one-man crew operation. There was only one operator. The guy ran out of time. He set number of brakes. There was some jerry-rigging of the engine, and it resulted in, uh, it looked on, like a nuclear explosion. There were people who had no remains did not even have a shadow of what of like they had in uh, during the uh, Hiroshima or Nagasaki bombing by the United States government that nothing it there are many there was one in Castleton uh, I believe it was Iowa it, uh, another oil can there are many many uh, types of these incidents that never get played and of course behind it is this drive and it's not a it's not a, a question of equilibrium or stasis. It's a constant active drive by the owners of the railroads, the seven class one railroads in this country to exact the most profit possible to enrich the shareholders and the boards of directors. So, and that has resulted in this wreck. Carl, link what has happened uh, with this derailment and all of these accidents that Mary Lee was citing with the rail strike that took place last year that the Biden administration basically stepped into thwart. Yeah, I, I mean, uh, again, uh, here you have our government uh, weighing in on the side of the railroads and letting them continue to run things the way they want to and imposing that contract uh, on the rail workers, uh, a contract that does not uh, provide paid sick days, which means you have uh, people working there who shouldn't be at work. They should be off getting the medical treatment that they need, getting the rest that they need. But And the reason that the railroads were, are so dead set that every worker has to show up every day is because they have slashed their workforces by tens of thousands of workers in order to make more money. And uh, and and so therefore, you know, they have problems that people don't show up to work. Well, you know, they, they need to they need to hire more people so that they can cover uh, the natural things that happen with folks. And, and that same slashing of the workers is what's resulted in less time to inspect the trains before they go out on the rails. And and there is very likely a direct connection between uh, not giving enough time for inspections and the fact that you had this rail car out there with a. Uh, uh, a bad bearing apparently is what it, it seems to be the reports are that uh, you know, caught on fire and so, and all of these things run together let's uh, let's jump right to a potential solution big picture solution of course in the short term the government could simply regulate the industry better it could force the industry just like it forced the workers uh to stop at strike it could simply use its leverage to force the industry to be safer to treat workers better uh but the long-term picture that uh, both of you i imagine have a lot to say about is this idea of nationalizing the rail industry we have other nationalized systems we have you know public education we have libraries we have other systems uh, that are run by the government that people rely on and we're told that the um the the government needed to step in last year to avert the strike because the rail industry is so important to the economy if it's that important let's talk about why the government should nationalize the industry Marilee, what are your thoughts on it well my first thought is that uh, 
I support 100% nationalizing the railroads uh, from stem to stern, as it were. Nor, and I don't, but I don't think it should be regulated by the government or its agencies. And we all see what the alleged regulatory agencies actually regulate, which is virtually nothing on the side of safety for uh, workers or uh, the communities in which we traverse on the railroads. I would believe that we would have to have a publicly elected, open, open books board to run it, something with transparency. I don't, I, I think that the FRA has historically come down on the sides of protecting the railroad. And the FRA I is? Myself, is the Federal Railroad Administration. It's the regulatory agency that's supposed to oversee the uh does this, the railroads does this, this fall country. under the Department yeah. of Transportation, which is overseen by Secretary yes, Pete Buttigieg? Mm -hmm. Yes, one and the same. But I don't think it's a question of individuals. I think it's a question of who, whoever holds the reins of power is partly who owns. And I, I think that it's not a question of just one individual. I think it's a question of how do we organize rail? These railroads have been getting away with, with what I consider to be criminal acts for years now. And we, I've been involved in the, the fight to better the rail unions for well over 30 years and, and to better the conditions of workers on the job. And as Carl said, we were ready to strike. Actually on the BNSF, which I worked at most recently, we were ready to strike in February over their odious attendance policies, which is, as Carl referred to, meant that we don't get enough rest to operate trains, even in what I would consider an easy train to operate, a lightweight short train. This was 9,500 feet, that's almost two miles, filled with hazardous materials and uh, with two people, two operating employees. This is absurd. This is 2023, we, we should have guarantees in place that we have adequate staffing, that the workers have adequate rest and there's the i just want to i have been reading reports about lately is the incredible pressure which has increased over the past decade for workers to get the trains out whether or not there's pressure to not red tag or bad order is is the phrase we use cars for uh, not being fit to run on the railroad, there's pressure to, to bypass some of these uh, rules and regulations and things that are in place. That's been going on for a long time, but the industry has gotten much more dangerous with this PSR model, precision scheduled railroading model, right. which is a nothing a smokescreen for the unmitigated greed of the railroad barons, and they are still railroad barons. Carl, tell regardless me about. Of Tell me about UE's plan um, to uh, nationalize the railroads and, and you know what it would take to do this and whether you agree with Marilee that the government shouldn't necessarily regulate this industry because it has already sort of shown over the years that it um, will side with the industry. Yeah, well, and I don't think Marilee's saying right now the government shouldn't regulate it. It's, it's just that we know regulation is not working. And the reason regulation isn't working is because these are huge, very wealthy and powerful corporations that have every incentive in the world to lobby 
and or bribe uh, government officials, bribe in the way in terms of huge campaign donations, et cetera, uh, to, to get their way. And they have, they, you know, there, there was supposed to, they should have had to switch over to a more modern braking system that, that could well have averted this catastrophe in East Palestine altogether. Um, you know, part of your problem there, what happened is you had a lot of very heavy cars at the back of the train. Um, and because the brakes get applied from the front to the back with the old system, uh, the, the back keeps moving after the front stops. And of mm -hmm. course you get a pile up when, when it's too much weight back there. So they, they had actively lobbied to stop a more modern braking system that would have electronically applied all the brakes at once. Not because they wanted to have a crash, but because it was short-term profit for them not to have to put the new rail new brake systems in. That's what happens when you have private corporations running these monopolies for profit. And, and that's where all the incentives are. So, so I think that's why we're saying regulation alone is not at all going to solve the problem that's here. That's why we have to bring it under public control uh, with, with uh, as Marilee is saying, a, a system where, where there's a, a publicly accountable board there uh, that answers to the American people on this uh, and that listens to the workers who have a lot, you know, we would argue, uh, our labor union, UE, would certainly argue that uh, you need in, in most businesses in this country uh, a lot more worker input than there is if, if we want to actually have safe and healthy and environmentally uh, appropriate uh, uh, operations. And so that's why our the UE General Executive Board ad adopted a statement at the end of January uh, fully supporting uh, the call to, uh, to, to have Congress enact legislation uh, to take these railroads away from uh, the greedy robber barons who run them and instead uh, put them into the hands of the American people. I mean, what's at stake if here? Just, yes, go ahead, Mary Lee. If I could just add one thing. I also think that un under public control of the railroads where the public owns it, similar to like you mentioned, but also airports, the interstate system. Our postal service. That, but I think, <laughs> yes, exactly, the postal service sort of Amtrak, but not quite. But the the other thing that I think is essential is that the conditions of the work and the actual running of the day-to-day -day operations has to be under worker control. Our control, those who work, those who know how to do this. We need to uh, continue with our unions. I don't see unions not having a role similar to the uh, American Postal Workers Union or, or many others I could point to, longshoremen. Uh, but it must be under the control so that we can end at least the most egregious violations of safety that occur day to day on these railroads, day to day, whether it's the pressure to take something that is not right, including uh, viol the violations of the law in some cases, uh, to demanding that the railroads maintain their tracks. There was a failed equipment detector that should have notified the crew 20 miles previously when the wheel was on fire, the, the bearing was on fire. It should have warned them 20 miles before they derailed. I want to know why didn't it? Why didn't it? There was another detector, another uh, 40 miles further from where they derailed. What is up with this? We, we should demand, the American people should demand a full accounting from this railroad uh, 
and from the government agencies that I agree, Carl, I didn't mean to say that there should not be regulation. We have nothing in place to, of course, replace it. But I think that the, the citizenry of this country has every right to know that this regulatory agency, the FRA, has not been regulating much that we can see. And it's the realms are not held accountable because of the money question, the bribes, they are bribes, the lobbying, the, uh, the under the table stuff, the calling up my buddy on the board stuff. Uh, all that stuff is, are things that we need to look at. But the main thing we need to do is take away the motive for placing our lives in jeopardy. Our lives as workers, our lives as, as denizens of, of the society where right. we live. We, we, have, we, have a, we have a rail system crisscrossing the country, transporting goods, transporting chemicals from one end of the country to the other. That train could have derailed anywhere else that it passed through. It ended up derailing next to East Palestine, the small community of just a few thousand residents who are now gonna to have to live with the cleanup. Their children are gonna to have to uh, risk getting neurological problems. Uh, that could have happened anywhere. Um, so there's, there's, there's the people who live in communities where derailments happen and accidents happen. And then there's the workers themselves um, whose lives are at stake. The, seems that this should be a bigger issue than it is. The Biden administration, many pointed out last year when he uh, um, interfered to avert the rail workers strike, that he would pay a price at the ballot box. Um, he had a State of the Union address recently promising to be this president that, uh, that, that would, you know, and hinting that he was going to be running in two years. But uh, will, will this be a big enough issue, you think, politically? Will there be enough political pressure for Biden, for Buttigieg, for, for the Democrats and Republicans to, to actually take up the serious question of nationalizing the rail uh, system? So I, I think that's a, the question there really is, uh, will the American people uh, create that pressure? And it's an obligation of the US labor movement as, as the you know, section of society that that most understands these issues uh, to really take this on and, and push it. And that's why our, our union uh, passed the statement. And uh, we know there's other unions out there that are looking at it also. Uh, obviously, Rail Workers United is, is, uh, is uh, doing the work to create that pressure. And the railroads are feeling pressure now. I mean, one of them is actually now uh, trying to find a way uh, to go ahead and, and, and do a minimal level of sick days at least. So it's not zero. Uh, but but a little bit at least for uh, for their workers uh, at this point because they, they realize that you know uh, I think they're seen as a prior industry right now by the American people because of all the wrongdoing that they've been uh, going through. Sorry, Marilee, didn't mean to cut you off. Well, I just wanted to also mention about the uh, the people. It's not confined to just the people of East Palestine, although they are bearing the the brunt of the poisoning. This community has been poisoned. Environmentalists have gone, not I'm not referring to the EPA, but some other environmental uh, testimony that I've been reading. Uh, dead fish are everywhere. This is on a river. The river runs downstream thousands of miles all the way until the, the, the chemicals will continue. The chemicals are flowing in the river, and not, not just in the in town. The crops, this is an agricultural area. Every 
a person who plants food or or uh, is use, is involved in agriculture for their living is now screwed. I mean, who's going to buy crops anywhere near there with vinyl chloride in the in the soil? So there are many many ramifications of this that uh, I'm, I'm that have come to the public attention that otherwise maybe hadn't. But I I and I agree with Carl that you have to build any kind of movement. The civil rights movement didn't start out with a million people in Washington. It started out in the nitty gritty day-to-day -day actions that working people took to fight against the Jim Crow laws. That is the kind of effort that it will take and the millions that it will take to win to this perspective in order to implement it. These railroad barons and the other uh, one-tenth of one percent aren't going to empty their pockets easily. This is a gold mine. This is a candy store for them. And, and consequences be damned because they are never held accountable. Never held accountable in terms of the legality, the morality, all of those issues. They're never held accountable in any fundamental way. And that's what I think this movement initial steps to raise what is possible and how to change this is so important. To win, we will have to win millions of workers to this fight. And I think we're up for the challenge. I know Carl is. I know I am. <laughs> Give out a website, both of you, Carl. Uh, where can people find out more about UE's work and, and read the statement you mentioned? Sure. Uh, go to our website, ueunion. Dot org. That's so. That's u e u n i o n. dot org, and and it's posted right on our front page. As a matter of fact. And Mary Lee, uh, Railroad Workers United has a website too. Yes, we do. It's railroadworkersunited.org. Uh, we have a, a public news site on the on the website. It, it is a it is just a, a wonderful deep font of information and up to date news as we as we get it and can release it about this and other uh, other issues facing rail workers. Well, I want to thank the two of you so much for joining me today. Really appreciate your time. Thanks for having us. Thank you. My guests have been Carl thank Rosen, you. General President of United Electrical Radio and Machine Workers of America, and Mary Lee Taylor, a 34-year veteran retired locomotive engineer and member of Railroad Workers United. I'm Sonali Kolhatkar. You can access this and other interviews on our website, risingupwithsonali.com, by becoming a subscriber. Find our audio podcast on iTunes and Spotify, and follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at RU with Sonali.